Good morning, everybody. Oh, good. You're going to talk to me because it's real hard to see you guys. So I need to know that you're there. So I need you to give me a little feedback. Uh, (laughs) You're here. I love it. I'm so glad. Um, Well, like John said, I'm Pastor Megan. Um, I have to confess, uh, I was reading through Brandon's notes and his intro to the series was like, if you haven't watched The Chosen, you should. And I haven't. And I feel bad, but it looks really good. Um, (laughs) But I have read the Beatitudes, so I do know about that. Um, (laughs) Let me introduce myself a little bit so you know a little bit more about me. Um, So this, you know, random pastor standing on your stage. Um, Like John said, I am from New Life Calvert, uh, which is in Prince Frederick, Maryland. Uh, So we're, I don't know, an hour and a half I don't know how long it took to get here because we made multiple stops on the way because we have dogs and little people and they all had to go to different places um, for us to stay the night down here. Um, But so I've been at New Life Calvert for five years since New Life Calvert was launched, um, which is really cool to be a part of a of a church that's that's building something and going to plant in a building because that's what we did, which was really cool. Um, And five years later, we're you know doing some awesome things, which is really fun. But I have, I'm 37 years old and have only been a pastor for about two years. Um, my, I have a crazy backstory, which I won't bore you with all the details this morning, but uh, I worked on cruise ships for a very long time uh, after college, which is actually where I met my wonderful husband. Um, <laughs> and we, I came back to Maryland, like, now what? I've, I've been traveling the world and having this amazing time, and now what do I do with my life? Um, and I landed at New Life La Plata uh, because they seemed to have a pretty active young adult group, and I got very involved in that. Um, and God was kind of like, this is your home. Where I was, uh, and I said, well, okay. And they started to plant a new church in Prince Frederick, which was where I was living at the time. And they're like, that only makes sense for you to come here. And I was like, okay, I'll go. Uh, so I go. And we start to plant. And, and uh, Pastor Curtis, as we're getting ready, says, uh, I hear you sing. So you're going to sing. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to sing. And so, I, so then uh, our worship leader at the time who... Um, we had been open for about two months, uh, got called back to the Plata campus because he needed to fill a gap. And he said, so you're going to be our worship leader now, right? And I said, okay, I'm going to be the worship leader now. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, it was all just kind of this, this crazy whirlwind and uh, things started to finally settle, which was pretty amazing um, how God works because at the time, right, right when I was asked to be worship leader, I had actually gotten laid off from my full-time job and wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And I kept asking God, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Where am I going to go from here? And he's like, just wait, just wait, just, just sit and enjoy what you're doing. And I'm like, but what I'm doing doesn't pay anything. Um, so that doesn't work. Um, so I kept applying for jobs and applying for all these big jobs. And, and no one was calling me back. And I didn't understand because I was qualified and I was energetic. And I had a, a great track record. And I just didn't understand. And then our pastor said, now it's time for you to do ministry full time. And I heard the Holy Spirit say the same thing. And I said, man, God, you have a funny way of doing things, right? I'm, I'm 35 years old, and I'm about to change my whole world and go into vocational ministry. Um, and at the time, uh, we were married, and we had our, our first daughter, Ava, uh, who's four now. 
And she was young. I, she was two, I guess, at the time, one, in between one and two, when I started taking classes and, and just really felt the call into full-time vocational ministry as a pastor. Um, and I, I did that all with, a, you know, classes and school. And I was like, man, I'm too old for this. This takes a lot of work and I don't have the energy anymore. It took so much coffee. I could only do my classes between like 9 p.m. and midnight. And everyone would be like, okay, we're going to bed now. You do school. And I'm like, okay, pray for me because I'm going to fall asleep in these books. But I did it. I did it with God's grace and, and his help and the Holy Spirit. Um, and was licensed as a pastor, and man, it's such a blessing. It's such a blessing to follow God's call, um, even when it feels later than it normally is. You know, you look around and you're like, all these people go to go to college for this right out of high school, and they do, uh, you know, ministry and all these things. And I'm 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 a little late in the game, but I I just love it. I love serving God on a daily basis. I love being able to preach his word. Um, I love being able to lead worship when I get that opportunity too. Uh, it's, just, it's just such a blessing. Um, and then we had our next daughter uh, back in January, and she's six months old. So if you hear anybody cranking a little bit, it's because she hears mommy's voice, and she's like, why isn't she holding me? I don't know what's happening. Um, but... <laughs> When Brandon, so Brandon and I, of course, have known each other through New Life, through the network, um, and he reached out to all of our pastors, and he said, you know, I'm going to be at, at NTS camp uh, on the 17th, and I need somebody to come fill in for me, and immediately I felt the Holy Spirit go, you're, you're going to do that, and I went, no, I'm tired. Like, I have a six-month-old who I'm pretty sure is a robot because she doesn't need any sleep. She never sleeps. We have staring contests and she always wins because she just doesn't need any sleep. And I was like, God, do you know what I have going on right now? Like, that's crazy. I can't do, I can't, man, I got a four-year-old. I got a, we got two dogs. I can't stay down there and I can't wake up at three o'clock in the morning to get down there. That's just crazy. And he said, you're going to do this. In his like very quiet, very patient, very loving way that, he, that the Holy Spirit communicates. He's like, I'll give you a minute. Go ahead, go ahead, do what you're gonna do, and then you're gonna do this. And I said, okay, I'm gonna do this. And I texted Brandon, and he was like, yes, that would be awesome. And the more I started to think about it and get prepared, the more excited I got. And man, I am so, so excited to be with you guys here this morning. Um, I also forgot that this week was VBS at our church. Um, so we had 100 kids every day at church this week, which was such an incredible blessing, but they require a lot of energy. Like they, they require a lot. Um, I was the host for that. So we finished that on Friday night and we got in the car on Saturday morning and we got down here. Um, and right now what I have is a lot of coffee, the grace of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That is what I have. Um, but <laughs> I only say that because none of what we're about to talk about this morning is me. None of that is me. Um, and I think the Holy Spirit does that in a really cool way where he takes you to the end of yourself so that he can actually speak, so that he can move. Um, because in our own brilliance, we always mess it up, right? We never quite get it right because we're, we're working for the glory on our own. Um, and I just wanted to share that with you guys because it kind of has 
a lot to do with the idea of righteousness, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, somehow in the midst of all of that, I managed to get to watch uh, Pastor Brandon's ser- series that we've been leading up online. Um, and I watched his other sermons. And man, it's been so good to dig into the Beatitudes. Have you guys really been enjoying that and how, how that's been going? Because it, oh, it blessed my spirit so much. Um, and when we go, let's see, you've covered... Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And then this morning, we're picking up in verse 6, Matthew 5, verse 6, for those of you guys who haven't been uh, following along. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Uh, It's just such such a beautiful picture in this moment where Jesus is speaking and he's, he's basically uh, preempting the Sermon on the Mount. And he's describing to his disciples the, the people that he would call blessed. And I love when we get to read Jesus's words specifically where he's saying, this is how I want you to live. Because sometimes we get so tired and there's so much interpretation going on that you're like, God, can you just put it in black and white? Like, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Where is my instruction manual? And this is a really good picture of that. He's literally saying, blessed are those who act this way. Blessed are those who embody these characteristics. And this morning, that's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Righteousness is a pretty big word in the Bible. And it's hard to talk about now if you haven't learned about it all, you know, your whole life and, and like really gotten to dive into that because in our current world, we talk a lot about self-righteousness. Uh, how many of you guys have met self-righteous people? It breaks my heart. <laughs> but there is more self-righteousness than need be go around right now. Um, and basically what that is, is that that... I'm right, I'm great, I deserve this. And that is not what Jesus is talking about when he talks about righteousness. So we kind of have to peel away what, what sticks in our brain when we hear that and, and avoid that self-righteousness. And it's funny because I was sitting at the kitchen table preparing for this and I was reading and I was praying and I was kind of going through what I was going to say and how I was going to talk about this. And when I tell you that my relationship with God has been different since having kids, it has been just drastically different. And I heard a lot of parental giggles out there. Does the Holy Spirit teach you things through your kids? Oh, every day, every day. And I look up at him and I go, man, is this how I make you feel? Because you must be going nuts up there. Like, <laughs> it's right now the most epic battle we have in our house is dinner time. I have a four-year-old who doesn't want to eat anything that I suggest that she eat. So she decides what's healthy. And she decides how much of it she's going to eat. And she will go to bed kicking and screaming and starving if, I, if it's not what she wants. Happens all the time. And we're trying to break that. We're trying to figure that out as parents. This is our first uh, preschooler. Um, so it's, it's a challenge. Man, it's such a challenge because you want to teach them the right things, right? But you also don't want your kid to starve. So you're like, what do I do? 
It's just crazy. Well, this particular night, I'm getting ready for my sermon, and she walks up and she goes, Mommy, you said if I ate my pizza bagels, I could get a popsicle. And she puts her hands out like this. And I was like, I know I say a lot of things, but I'm pretty sure that was not one of them. And I was thinking back, and what I had actually said was, if you eat a healthy dinner, we will see about a popsicle. And she said, I ate pizza bagels. I get a popsicle. And the Holy Spirit said, isn't that how you treat me sometimes? And I went, oof. Because it is. Man, as churchgoers and as believers, so often we create the boxes First of all, we create the list of things and then we check the boxes and then we go, Daddy, where's my blessing? Don't we? Man, as a pastor, that was so hard for me to hear from the Holy Spirit. So hard. And it's, it just creeps in on us and we don't even realize it because the intention is not bad. And even the boxes that we're checking are not bad. But we think it's this, I... I give, you give. It's this transactional relationship and that's not how it's meant to be. All of these beatitudes are a constant striving, right? They're a constant chasing, a constant learning, a thing that every single day we have to check and grow in and the work is literally never done while we're on this earth which is a beautiful and a frustrating thing, I know. But there's always something for us to strive toward, always something for us to work toward. It's not our bucket list that we're, we're checking things off and going, Daddy, where's my blessing? So it was super interesting for me to have that interaction with my child and then have to think through that. Like, how, how do we fix this? How do we fix this? And in that moment, I couldn't figure it out. I mean, I really couldn't figure it out. So I started diving more into this idea of self-righteousness and righteousness. And, and righteousness in this verse, in this particular context, um, it's the, the Jewish first century context. So up until this point, until Jesus dies, the way to be right with God, which is what righteousness means, to pursue rightness with God, was to follow 613 Jewish laws. That is a lot to remember, right? They had a lot to think through in order to pursue rightness with God. Then Jesus comes and he dies and he's resurrected and he fixes that so that all that we have to do is believe. All that we have to do is seek relationship with him to pursue rightness with God. And that's what that would look like for the rest of time. So that's righteousness, but he doesn't just say we're supposed to desire righteousness. He doesn't just say we're supposed to try to be righteous. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hunger and thirst. And as Americans... The majority of us, I will not say all because there is a lot of poverty in America, but the majority of us have never experienced what it's like to truly feel hungry or thirsty and not know where food or drink will come from. So I 
was trying to think through when, when have I been the hungriest, you know, like just trying to get into that word, trying to figure out what that word really means. And immediately I thought of the day that I had our first daughter. Moms, that day when you're in labor, probably the hungriest you've ever been in your life, isn't it? I hear giggles because you go into labor and you go into the hospital and everything's rolling and then you're like, wait, I just checked in and I can't eat anymore. And I'm going through the most grueling thing my body is probably ever going to go through and they're not gonna let me eat until it's over. So you're praying and you're like, baby, please come out, please, please, please come out because I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry and I'm so tired. And you start to look at your husband and his head starts to turn into a giant turkey leg. And you're like, ah, you're like hallucinating and you're so tired and you're so thirsty and you're so hungry. And finally you have that baby. Sometimes one day, sometimes two days. I was in labor with my first for 36 hours and I was so hungry. And my husband had to leave to eat because if he ate in front of me, it would not have ended well. It would not have ended well. Um, and so you, you have that baby and then you get settled into the suite and everything's all cozy and they bring you that first meal. Oh, and it changes your life. I mean, and I, so I had my second during COVID when you weren't allowed to leave and get, so you couldn't like pick whatever food you wanted. They were gonna bring you hospital cafeteria food, which prior to having the baby, I was very upset about. I was very, very upset about this. And they brought me this grilled club chicken sandwich from the hospital cafeteria and it was the best thing I've ever had in my life. <laughs> like thinking back, I know it wasn't that good of a sandwich. It, it couldn't have been, it was from the hospital cafeteria. But to me, it changed my life. <laughs> like I still remember drooling over this chicken sandwich. It was so good. So when <laughs> I say all that to say, like when, when God is saying that we need to hunger and thirst for righteousness, our su survival needs to depend on that desire for a closeness with him, that desire for a relationship with him. It can't be about checking boxes. It can't be about a list of things that we do and then we put out our hands for a blessing. It has to be this thing that our whole life depends on. If I don't have him, if I don't have relationship with him, I have nothing. There is no blessing in the world that could be good enough if I don't have him. So I was looking at the Bible is so cool this way. So Jesus talks about these beatitudes and he talks about these blessings and then usually later you have an apostle who comes along and there's a church who has misunderstood what Jesus is saying and isn't quite getting it right and they re-explain, re right? But he's, Jesus gives us a chance to get it the right the first time and usually there's a church that doesn't and there's somebody that comes back and, and kind of dives in a little deeper and ho hopes to explain what's going on. And we're gonna go to Philippians to find that, where Paul writes his letter to the, to, to the Philippians. Um, and to get an idea of where he's coming from, we're gonna start in chapter three, but prior to that, he explains, first of all, he's in prison. He's in prison and he's joyful about it, which seems super strange, but he's joyful because he knows that he's in prison because of the pursuit 
of this relationship with Jesus and the pursuit of other people joining him in that relationship. And he explains that. And so when he talks to the Philippians about what it's like to desire real righteousness that's not self-righteous, this is what he says. This is chapter three, and we're gonna read, we're gonna start in verse three of Philippians, chapter three, verse three of Philippians. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in ourselves, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So basically Paul says, if there are boxes to be checked, I have checked them. So if there is a way to earn righteousness, I have earned it. But there's not. None of that stuff made anything any better. None of that stuff made me closer to God. None of that stuff brought blessing in my life. And he continues in verse 7 and says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I have gone to prison. I have nothing. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul is saying that my religion is nothing. My self-righteousness is nothing. The boxes I have checked are garbage. And he worked to become a Pharisee, you have to learn the law. That's, that's like all the school. Like you get your doctorate and that's garbage. Because all you need is faith in Christ. Everything that he was searching for, everything that he was working for was found in that right relationship with Christ. And he's trying to explain that to this church because if he were here, okay, so say Paul comes here to New Post, or Paul's at, at, with us at New Life Calvert, you know, and he's up on stage. He's basically saying, look, guys, I, I came to church every week. I tithed every week. I attended a small group. I served. I decided to go to seminary. I learned all the things. I became a pastor. And none of that, none of that was anything in comparison to having a real relationship with Christ. Having him, having access to the one who saved me. Man, it's cool to have access to the one who saved us. Right? And I think sometimes in our own self-righteousness, we get so caught up checking the boxes that we forget that all we have to do for that hunger and thirst of righteousness is admit that we need a savior. Admit that we're not good enough on our own. None of the boxes we can check matter without him. Believe 
who he is, believe he died, believe he rose again, and believe he mended that relationship with us so that we could know him and confess that he is the Savior. That gives us that relationship. But it doesn't stop there. That's why I love that word hunger and thirst. Because hunger and thirst lasts our whole life, right? We always need to eat. We always need to drink. So it's not something that once you get saved, once you have that moment with Jesus, that it stops there. And it is as simple as digging into your word and talking to him. Because you can't have a relationship with someone you never talked to, right? It doesn't work that way. You have to talk to him. You also have to listen, but that's a sermon for another day. And you've got to get in your word. You've got to get in there. And it's funny because I have a lot of people who will tell me, well, Pastor Megan, I don't understand it. I don't know what I'm reading. Man, God has provided us with so many translations of the Bible. Find one that works for you. Find one that works for you. The other thing is, if you talk to him, if you ask the Holy Spirit, something happens and he makes it click. I can't describe it. I can't explain it. But you will read and you will read. And it's a, it could be a passage you've read so many times in your life. And every time you've been like, I do not understand. And all of a sudden, you ask the Holy Spirit for clarity. You ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the living word. And he does it. And you're like, whoa, I've never gotten that before. I've never heard that before. And it's the same words I've been reading my whole life. It's so awesome what the power of the Holy Spirit can do. So how do you do that? You admit, you believe, you confess, then you read and you pray. You seek after God. You seek constantly after that relationship. And you know what the beauty is? Maybe there's a couple of days where you get busy and you get distracted and you forget, right? Have you ever had a friend in your life that you were so close with and then life took you far apart? You don't see each other as often as you like to. You don't talk as often as you like to. And you pick up the phone and it's like they were never gone. You have that? I've experienced that so many times in my life. And that is exactly how Jesus is. He doesn't make you feel guilty. He doesn't make you feel ashamed. He doesn't make you go back to the starting line. He picks up right there with you. And it's like you were never gone. It's like nothing ever changed. So you don't, like, you have a couple of bad days. Pick up today. Start now. And you can get closer and closer and closer with him. And he never makes you go back to the starting line. You can make yourself go back to the starting line. We all have that power. We definitely can. But he doesn't make us do that. That's choices in our own power and in our own flesh. But he'll pick us back up right where we are. I'm thinking back to that moment that I had with Ava where I was like, how do I, what do I do? The only reason that she was eating food that she had decided was healthy was to get the popsicle, right? That's all she wanted. Had nothing to do with fueling her body. 
had nothing to do with growing and, and being healthy. And that's what I was trying to get. That's what I'm trying to teach her. That's what I want her to learn so desperately. I want her to want healthy food. I want her to want to that relationship with things that are good for her body. But all she wants is an endless amount of popsicles. She wants to keep holding the hands out and getting the popsicle and smiling. We're gonna work through it. I promise we are. I don't know how. Lots of prayer. Pray for wisdom. Pray for grace. Yet lots of popsicles. <laughs> but my prayer this morning as I close is that we won't pursue righteousness and we won't hunger and thirst for righteousness just for the blessing. Just because Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. My prayer is that we pursue that righteousness because that is the best life that God has designed for us. But that we know there's blessing on the other side of that and that brings joy. It's okay to be excited for the blessing, but I just pray that we seek after a relationship with him just because of who he is and the blessing is a footnote. The blessing is, is the, the testimony of that, that you can show other people. Because of course, our, our first change in behavior is for the reward, right? That's just human behavior. But then you start to know how sweet that relationship is and you chase after it just for relationship. The reward's just a footnote. Can I pray with you guys this morning?